0: Well, I hope this image is appropriate. Go ahead and put up the first slide there. but you know, I know in our lives, sometimes the junk is deep. OK? I don't know that, you're, if, that if your house looks like anything like that, or your backyard, but I bet you've got a junk drawer somewhere and a junk room, and it just seems like the junk, sometimes in our lives and hearts, we are just junk collectors. And I, by that, I mean it's so easy to collect the negative. A, uh, or maybe become a junk-finding critic. Some of us are just grumpy, and we just stew over our junk. Now, the thing is, it seems to me in our broader culture that most of this is acceptable. Whether it's in school, or in politics, or... In government, for sure. In other words, speaking positively, on the one hand, doesn't seem like it'd be that hard a thing to do. And yet, I was thinking a little earlier, if I extended an invitation this morning for the negative rumblings in your own hearts... Even over the last week or two weeks or month, we could fill up all of these rows, couldn't we? It's one of the reasons that a while back when we started the new member orientation or revised it, one of the truths that we put in it was the idea of speaking positively. Go ahead and put up the next slide there we've talked about living faithfully and participating regularly in the life of the church first of all being devoted to the lord and then to his church and then finding your place to serve you know and sometimes that's using your gift and sometimes that's simply doing something that needs to be done and then and then giving generously your time your treasure your talent as Dave Weiler likes to put it. And so here we are today thinking about this, speaking positively as we consider the life of the church. You know, I uh, read something the other day, and I don't know if it's true or not, and I have no idea how much scientific evidence is behind it, if it was a true poll or anything, but it said that 85 to 90% of someone's criticism is based on their own sense of unhappiness. Just give you that as a pause for thought, because sometimes we can find everything about someone else, but maybe that is a reflection often of something going on within us. And if you think about why speak positively here, well... First of all, we don't want to disable or infest or destroy what God is building, what He has put together, as Brett has already shared with us, in this diverse body of people that is a great intergenerational representation. It is a great metropolitan representation. It's a great diversity in terms of ethnicity, cultural background. And as Jason Vincent said the other day in our little class upstairs, he said, we are even diverse in our experiences. How we've experienced or seen see the world and as God brings all that together with Jesus Christ being at the center, the glue that holds that together, that is a reason we don't want to in any way destroy that. And I suppose at times we've been like the Israelites, because, you know, they had their seasons of grumbling and complaining and whenever God is trying to do something in you and through you and even for you it's it's difficult because there's this purging growing process and just like the children of Israel in the desert they found themselves grumbling and complaining and we can do that too when all that is really going on is God is trying to teach us and grow us I've watched it years and, for years and years as a congregation. I, don't, I can't say it's this way in every congregation, but I can certainly say here that if we come up with any kind of decision, you can usually count on it being one-third, one-third, one-third. One-third are for it, one-third are against it, and one-third really didn't have an opinion. So any decision you make, there's a third that aren't going to like it. And that's always a challenge to navigate our way through something like that when one-third don't get their way. Well, as importantly as we have built this into our our, uh, membership, because just like the other member expectations, we take our marching orders from Jesus Christ. And he teaches us and he challenges us and he sets the bar. And you know, that bar is really high sometimes. In our huddle group, Don, part of our huddle group on Thursday morning, we've been reading through Luke's gospel and in some sections that we'll get back to here in just a few weeks. Jesus lays out his teaching and I mean he sets the bar high. How do you learn to love your enemies? For instance, or those that you might feel have a different, even a different viewpoint than your own. Well, today I want to simply look at this one verse and we use Paul as our spokesman for God. We could have used an Old Testament passage. I could have taken it from the Gospels. I've elected to take it it from a very familiar verse in Philippians chapter 4. And uh, verse 8, great one for our kids to learn, isn't that one? It's got to be on your top 10 list of memorization verses right here. One I hope you're teaching your, your children, but this lesson today is for all of us. The passage is beautiful and maybe in some ways almost too good to be true or too good to be to be helpful to me as my life sometimes feels so full of the junk. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I had a friend when I was in, way back when I was in college, and he said, Yeah, that's my girlfriend. All I can do is think about her. <laughs> he saw her all, having all of these qualities, and so that was the focus of his attention. Well, that might be a little bit of a misapplication of what this verse is trying to say, but you, as we think about this, It doesn't say that all things are positive. Paul knew better. He was in a jail cell. And he had loads of resistance. All kinds of obstacles and bad circumstances and enemies. And there was plenty of negativity going on in every direction. As he says in the book of 2 Corinthians, in the church and out. However, our text could be summarized as saying... Speak positively, or think positively at least. We're called to rise above our feelings and to rise above our circumstances. And this passage is exceptional in its promotion of individual personal power, not because you really are that strong, but because Jesus Christ lives in you. We are not victims, we can control our thinking, this passage says, and it matters how we think. There is great power that is being bestowed on individuals in a verse like this to say we really can control our minds. We can think and speak positively because Jesus Christ is our leader. Remember the section that comes right before this in Philippians chapter 2 where he, it speaks about Jesus leaving heaven and submitting himself, leaving the right hand of the Father and submitting himself and becoming a servant, a servant even unto death. And so we see it illustrated in the book of Philippians and there in that text it says so have in your mind or NIV says have in your attitude other translations have your mind the mind of Christ we submit to his control the mind of God shaping our mind now We say, well, what is the purpose of all this? Well, he lays that out in the book of Philippians also. He said, so so that you might hold out the word of life like, like stars shining in the universe. This is God's goal for his church, that we're like stars shining in the universe. So that our light might bring others to give glory to God. All of this helps me summarize it and I want to put up one, just one cogent sentence and then I want to give us some practical challenges on this. I want to say it this way and I want you to possibly look at your own mind this week. A healthy mind produces joy like a healthy body produces energy. And when our mind is healthy, under God, led by God, and controlled by the Holy Spirit, when our mind is healthy, joy is the result. Much like the body produces energy. But for the next few minutes, what I want to do is is see if we can help one another with the how. If that's the why, if that's the why it's so important, and Paul lays out why it is important, and why we're, it's possible because of Christ in us, how do we go about this? Because I want to be more positive, but lots of things drag me down, and fear swirl around, and, and let me just put it this way, a lot of times it just feels like the junkyard dog is on the loose. In my heart and in my mind, and rather than being controlled by negative thoughts, emotions, and circumstances, how do I develop a healthy mind? I want to give you five ways. The first is this. I want you to make a pledge that your negative feelings, experiences, and relationships will not produce negative speech toward others. In other words, I'm not saying that there aren't, we don't have, won't have negative feelings or that we won't have negative experiences or sometimes things won't go wrong in relationships, but can we make this pledge as people who belong to God that it won't produce negative speech toward others You make a decision to be like Jesus, a faith decision to follow him, to do what he does, and he does not spread negativity. He did not retaliate. He did not gossip. He did not tear others down. We are to be shock absorbers and backstops, not boomerangs and pitchbacks. You see, the battle isn't really even out there. (laughs) The battle is in our willingness to let the Spirit lead. It's between our ears or from our mind to our heart. Make a pledge that your negative feelings, experiences, and relationships will not produce negative speech toward others. Number two, this should fit coming out of covid I need you to quarantine your negativity. That is negativity spreads like the flu or like covid from one person to another. I hear a lot of coughing in here this morning. You know, we're we're all kind of in this together. And it spreads just like that cough from one to another and from one area of our life to another. And, and, and how many times have I been upset at church and brought that home to my dear wife? Way too many. What do you do when you have COVID, when you have the flu? What do you do when you cannot shake the junk? You quarantine, you go on lockdown, you're taking action to prevent the spread, you minimize the damage... How do you quarantine with, with negativity? You recognize it before it spreads. You schedule your negative time. Make a little time if you've got to, if you must, and say, okay, from 7 to 7.30, I'm going to go ahead and be negative. Just go ahead and schedule that before it spreads, let's say people in your family tear you down or you have unmet expectations or you express grievances, Grievances. it becomes too much. Maybe you even need a safe person to, in which you can mull it over to let the negative dissipate, let it just dis- die for lack of growth nutrients. Don't feed it. Well, okay. Now, within the church, let me ask you this more positively. Do you have your encouragers? Because you've got to find your encouragers. If you're going to have this, this strategy for a positive mind, if you're going to fulfill Philippians 4, 8, I suspect you will not be able to do it all by yourself. You're going to need others. Pay attention to who. Is lifting you, and who is pulling you down? Cohen, come up here for a second. Cohen just uh, did a great job this morning as he uh, OK, stay down there for a second. Pull me down there. Wait a minute, let me try to pull you up first. Oh, ooh, geez. OK, big boy, big boy. All right. Here's the point. It's a lot easier. For Cohen to pull me down than me to be able to stand up here and pull him up. Thank you. That's all I needed. And I want you to think about that in terms of the encouragement. I want you as a youth group to be thinking about that. Is it's much easier to pull someone down than it is to lift someone up. And so, let's take that to heart. Number four, I want us to affirm God's goodness with simple Scripture repetition. Is this a practical enough sermon for you? There are five things here, church. They will change your life if you'll hear it from beginning to end. Okay? Now, My grandsons were up here just a minute ago, and Gates, he's kind of out of this phase now, but man, he was in a phase where he loved to wreck things. I mean, you could build a great structure of Legos, but he couldn't even wait till it was finished to destroy it. No sooner would Boone and I want to step back and just begin to admire it a little bit, and here comes Gates in there to tear it down and I just want us to know we are the same in the body here as we strengthen or weaken one another we are building or demolishing and the spirit of destruction very easily can take over where we feel hurt and pain and our way of dealing with it is to destroy so some of you need to have a personal swap meet That is, swap all your negative thoughts, words, and expressions with a positive opposite. Okay? I've been practicing this, and I've shared this with some of you, with breath prayers. Which also ties in, interestingly, to our last member expectation, which is to pray continually. And the breath prayers are simply a way to inhale... God's goodness, and exhale. Now, sometimes I pick one verse. I pick one verse, and I will try to repeat that verse over and over. You know, maybe the most basic one in this particular little book I've had on breath prayer. Oh, sorry, I guess I didn't put the, that book up. But this, this is a different, different book. I'll mention this one in just a minute. But is, uh, is The Lord is My Shepherd, for instance, and inhale. And then exhale, I shall not be in want. Inhale, the Lord is my shepherd. Exhale, I have all my needs met. It's from a little book called Breath Prayer. And I was thinking about this. There's one in there, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse verse 7. Cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. My point is affirming God's goodness and God's grace and God's working and God's spirit over and over again till it becomes a part of us as much as breathing. This particular slide, go ahead and put our slide back up there. Sorry to jump ahead. The 4-8 principle, this is our scripture text. There's actually a fellow who, out of Atlanta wrote a book called The Secret to a Joy-Filled Life based on Philippians 4 and verse 8. It actually became a New York Times bestseller. And the whole premise of the book is that each moment is a fresh start when you change the way you think. And if you follow Paul in Philippians chapter 4, you will find yourself in time continuously thinking well. Number five, repeatedly visualize God's blessings. It's very similar to four, but by this... I'm saying it this way because there's there's a part that sometimes we can't, we 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 don't, we aren't experiencing in the moment. So we're visualizing a future. There's a future aspect to our life and to our faith and to our relationships and to our church, and and we're we're leaning in to that future, believing. That God has got this, and it's open, and it's limitless, and it's abundant. And so we we practice this visualization much like a young baseball player can see himself playing in the big leagues. Or a college student can see themselves at some 8 or 10 years in the future teaching as a professor. And so we do the same. We fix our eyes on Jesus who also saw the goal before Him. Hebrews chapter 12. Or Colossians 3, we set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, fix your eyes not on what is, what is seen, but on what is unseen, And by faith, we practice this visualization with this massive intentionality. It's a faith discipline. It's not haphazard. We're feeding our minds with clear pictures of who we are becoming as God's person and as God's church. I finish this morning with this thought. I have no doubt the junk will keep coming. But a healthy mind produces joy like a healthy body produces energy. Will you practice the Philippians 4 8 principle and let the Lord work in you and through you? Bye.